Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. Thanksgiving Cyber Monday, right? Yeah. A very good Cyber Monday morning to you. Mike McMahon for a Monday edition of All Marine Radio. Right here on your home for that thing. The All Warrior Radio Network. Yep. Hope you had a nice Thanksgiving. my god the um yeah there's some interesting stuff going on on the planet so I want to talk about that um cause I was like following this Omicron story right and you see the thing You see this story, there's this new wave of COVID, right? And uh, the world reacts, right? Everybody's shutting down travel from South Africa and and Southern African nations. Nations reporting, there's already cases here. So, I, um, as I do... I thought, well, what's this all about, right? And it takes all of, I want to say, it takes all of, you know, perusing the news for maybe five minutes before you learn that the doctor who reported the the symptoms of this new strain then came out and said, 
Oh, yeah. Well, overall, uh, the symptoms are very mild. Like, what? <laughs> right? <clears throat> Wait a minute. What just happened? I don't know. And so, um, yeah, so it's like, what am I missing here? Okay, the whole the world's reacting to this thing like it's the like it's the second coming of the Black Plague, and you begin to read, and you're like, "What the hell, man?" And so, um, so let me I'll find the article here real quick, and uh, you know, and so and then the best so okay so. Mac, what leads you to believe that you're right about this and, and this Omicron variant is not going to be something worse? Well, the stock market. What? Yeah, you heard me, the stock market. The, the people that bet their money on their money, yeah. Don't, how do we know the politicians are lying? Their lips are moving, right? We know that. Omicron variant, I want to say South Africa doctor. Yeah, here's, here's, now this is Reuters, okay? This isn't Larry and Shemp's news network from, you know, Westchester. New Hampshire, some bullshit, okay? This is Reuters from Africa. Headline, South African doctor says patients with Omicron variants have very mild symptoms. <laughs> so, right, the world losing its mind. And so I saw this probably Saturday morning. And it was originally reported, well, I don't know where I saw it. It was in American News affiliate and so then i'm waiting to see how long it takes other media outlets to begin to at least introduce this into the discussion i think that used to be called reporting it okay because this is a story based in fact okay So, and very, I'll tell you what, it was very much like the story about the guy who ran over all those people in that parade. They were following the police, right? They knew where he went. People traced the car to an address. They trace the guy who's lived at the address to social media stuff. They then somehow or other found out that this guy had a long record. Not sure how that happens, but they did. Nobody would go near that story, and my guess is because of the race of the guy involved in it. He's black. Uh, it must have been 20 hours before anybody touched it. Any mainstream media outlet. And then when they reported it, they didn't report he was black. And so it's amazing 
the world that we live in and how the media works. Okay. Trust me, if that would have been a white supremacist, because that fits the narrative, right? Certainly what does not fit the narrative is a career criminal out on bail of $1,000 after he punched and ran over his ex-wife, maybe current wife, not exactly sure, sorry about that, right? Broke her pelvis, and all these people die because some fucking DA believes that even violent criminals shouldn't be held in jail. That's not, that story doesn't play in Peoria right now if you're the mainstream American media. So what did they do? They didn't report it. So this thing plays along those lines. If you, if you read, the, if you read the, um, the news over the weekend, I mean the Black Death coming to you. That's right. So this is the Reuters article. A South African doctor who was one of the first to suspect a different coronavirus strain among patients said on Sunday that symptoms of the Omicron variant were so far mild and could be treated at home. Right? <laughs> Where's my record scratch when I need it? Exactly. Where's my record scratch when I need it? What? Yeah, I didn't misread that. But I'll read it again. A South African doctor who was one of the first to suspect a different coronavirus strain among patients said on Sunday the symptoms of the Omicron variant were so far mild and could be treated at home. Right? And I think, what was it, on last Thursday or whatever, the governor of New York declared a state of emergency? <laughs> what, the, what in the hell, man? I mean, any, any thought that we might take a look at this before we all begin to lose our shit? Evidently not. The article goes on. Dr. Angelique. Coetzee, C-O-E-T-Z-E-E, a private practitioner, and listen to this, and the chair of the South African Medical Association told Reuters that on November 18th, she noticed seven patients in her clinic who had symptoms different from the dominant Delta variant, albeit very mild. Now designated Omicron by the World Health, Health Organization, the variant was detected and announced by South Africa's National Institute of Communicable Diseases on November 25th from samples taken from a laboratory from November 14th through November 16th. Kotsi said a patient on November 18th reported at her clinic extremely fatigued for two days with body aches and headaches. Symptoms at that stage were very much related to normal viral infection and because we haven't seen COVID-19 for the past 8 to 10 weeks, we decided to test. Adding that the patient and his family turned out to be positive. On the same day, more patients came in with similar symptoms, which was when she realized there was something else going on. Since then, she's, been, she's seen two to three patients a day. Quote, listen to this. 
Most of them are seeing very, very mild symptoms, and none of them so far have been admitted patients. We have been able to treat these patients conservatively at home. Kotsi, who is also the ministerial on the Ministerial Advisory Committee on Vaccines, said, unlike the Delta, so far patients have not reported loss of smell or taste, and there has been no major drop in oxygen levels in the new variant. Her experience so far is that the variant is affecting people who are 40 years or younger. Almost half of the patients with Omicron symptoms that she treated were not vaccinated. The most predominant critical complaint is severe fatigue for one or two days. With them, the headaches and the body aches and the pain. Since Friday, many countries have also banned air travel to and from South Africa, including the United States and the European Union, and some Asian nations. So, I don't want to say that, I don't want to quote go Paul Harvey on everybody and say, you know, that's the, that's the rest of the story. But it's like ready, fire, aim, right? I mean, if you watch the hysteria around the planet, one would think we're a bunch of idiots. Might we have people that look into this and say, before we overreact to this, knowing that this, how this shit travels... You're not going to be able to stop it. And it's probably, if it's in South Africa, it's probably already in the United States. It's the way this shit works. Okay. And I say that based on the Delta strain, the original COVID-19 strain, yada, 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 yada. But I think this is an important part of that story. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Call me crazy. But, um, but yeah, I think it is. Hmm. Hmm. Right? Now, let me try, let me explain why the stock market is a great barometer for this. Okay? So, the people that bet money on their money, yeah. So, the people that bet their money on money, the reason why you want to pay attention to what they do is because they've got some serious ass in the game, okay? And they don't tend to play stupid shit with this kind of stuff. So what are they What are they doing? Last day the market was open, Friday. Stocks took a deep dive, right? Based on, oh, the, the whole economic recovery of the planet is going to stop and blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? Guess what happened today after people that, bet their money on their money, okay? Oh, all that came back. So again, politicians do the kind of stupid shit that the governor of New York is doing. Now, you could defend her actions by saying, well, Mac, uncertainty, given all we've seen, um, prudence dictates she should do that. Oh, Really? But I would tell you this, one of the things I've noticed is that, and one of the things that I would say is, is a little bit unnerving about all of this, is I think there's governors around the nation 
that have used this as a pretense to use executive powers for extended periods of times, and they like doing business like that. That's my instinct. Yeah. Those, those emergency powers were expected to go days, maybe weeks, natural disasters, things like that. But they were not expected to go years, okay? And that's what we're looking at in, in some states. And the rush to, to, to put those things back in place? Hmm. Makes me wonder. Makes me wonder. Okay, so what I want to do today is I want to talk about the Ukraine. Um, Vlad Putin, Dr. Evil, as he's known here on All Marine Radio, Vladimir Putin is playing reindeer games in um, on the Ukrainians' eastern border. So I want to take a look at that today and tomorrow. And so today, kind of an introductory, um, an int- introductory uh, little primer about the Ukraine. Now, if you have Google Earth, U-K-R-A-I-N-E, Ukraine, okay? You type that in there, and you'll fly there. Yeah, you can do that. U-K-R-A, yeah, Ukraine. And then Google Earth will fly you there. Okay, and so what I want to do is I want to play a little uh, clip from a CBS report. Okay, and so I'll play that. And then um, I, I want to play, because I, I when we look at these kind of things, I don't just like to look at it from an American perspective. I like to hear what Al Jazeera is saying about it. So the, the second little snippet we'll hear is from the Tur- a Turkish public broadcasting system, and they ha- they're having a conversation about it. So, um, so we'll take those. And then I'm trying to get Grant to come on. And Grant's, so you know, Grant's an intelligence type by trade. Okay? And... Um, Grant, um, so I, I'm trying to get Grant to to talk about the Ukraine, and we'll get his thoughts about that, uh, and hopefully do that tomorrow. So, uh, with all that being said, the United States Marine Corps band makes this morning official. Good morning. <laughs>
And this is dedicated to all you political types. Okay. There is an element of leadership involved in what you do. So this is dedicated in the hope that you will look inward, understand that you're supposed to be a steadying hand in a crisis, and live up to that. Okay? And that means before we take the steering wheel, right, and go 90 degrees to the right, we do a moderate amount of investigation. We stand up and we say, okay, everything we see says this. Therefore, we're going to do that. Okay. I think I could speak for a lot of people and say, we're worn the fuck out by your stupid shit, okay? Can we just do grown-up shit for a while? Can we try to act like adults in all of this that's going on? Hmm. Okay. So, this is dedicated to that proposition that you all, and I know you're just, I know you're political scumbags, most of you, but the maybe the one, two, three, four, five, or six percent of your being that is not political scumbag, that it, it, that it really focuses on doing the right thing. So, Merry Christmas. This is dedicated to that. betraying your whole life if you don't say what you think and you don't say it honestly and bluntly what keeps you awake at night nothing i keep other people awake at night for this campus had prepared him well <clears throat> i'm very confident that thank you very much <clears throat> if this was vodka it'd be a lot better speech <clears throat> Wait for it, wait for it. But I'm not supposed to glamorize alcohol anymore, so young folks, you ignore what I just said. We just have to execute. And we are executing every day, and Sergeant Major and I are very proud of what you do. Doesn't mean we can't get better. We don't, we don't want to make a mistake to learn. We don't want to lose to learn. We cannot lose if we have to go fight. We got to do what these Marines did here 75 years ago. Persevere against difficult, challenging conditions and odds and win. You gotta win. 
Time for us to check the weather now. So we'll do that. Currently, it is mostly cloudy in 47 in Quantico. Down the coast at Marine Corps Air Station, Cherry Point. Sunny in 49. In 29 Palms. It is sunny and 60. Let's see. Camp Pendleton is sunny and 54. Camp Smith in Hawaii is dark cloudy and 73. In Okinawa, it is dark cloudy and 70. The Philippines, dark cloudy in 80. And Darwin, dark cloudy in 83. At the home of All Marine Radio, it is sunny. And uh, 56 degrees, a little chilly this morning. Looking for a high of 72 degrees today. On Tuesday, it'll be 72. On Wednesday, it'll be 72. On Thursday, it's going to cool off all the way down to 69. And then on Friday, 69 degrees as well. So nice week here in Southern California. I just saw a word I haven't seen since the 70s. Stagflation. Yeah. How about that? Stagflation. I haven't seen it since, like, Gerald Ford's whip inflation now. All that craziness, right? Yeah, you remember that. Well, you may not. I do. Um... Yeah, whip inflation now. So, um, all right, I'm going to check news headlines pretty quick, and then I want to talk about the Ukraine. What in the hell is going on in the Ukraine, and why does it matter to any of us? So uh, so we'll, we'll deal with that after we wheel around to the news here on uh, on the first day after Thanksgiving. Here's an email. How was your Thanksgiving, Mac? Um, I ate too much, like most people. Oh, since starting last Wednesday, last Wednesday night, I had a great prime rib dinner. If you haven't had prime rib in a while, do yourself a favor. Put that put that in your mouth. Prime rib is awesome. <laughs> it, it is. It is. And so, uh, yeah, prime rib as the introductory to Thanksgiving. So then um, came home on Thanksgiving, and my daughters were going over to with my ex to their grandmother's house. We kind of alternate every year. And so I had Thanksgiving by myself. So I, um, so I made turkey dinner. I, made, I added like a 15-and-a-half-pound turkey. And so uh, I made the dressing, and uh, I stuffed it, and made the bird, and made the, made a cherry pie, made did the gravy, did the whole nine yard, and then ate it. 
by myself. And I, I will tell you this. I wouldn't recommend it on a regular basis. But, I mean, I hung out with my daughters most of the day. Well, when I say hang out, they come over and we talk for a little bit. And, and I was watching, uh, I think, football. And then they both fall asleep. That's what hanging out is, yeah, as they get older. So they fall asleep. And, um, and so, but again, they're here. We hang out. And, um, but I will say this. I think for me, gave me a chance to, you know, in the quiet of that evening, to reflect on all the things that I have to be thankful for in my life. And there's a lot. And so, while I would not recommend it on a regular basis, um, I, I, was okay, I was okay with it. Um, yeah, I was. I was okay with it. And, um, and then what happened on, on Friday? Catherine, my kids are kind of spoiled relative to um, Thanksgiving. And so they have uh, they liked the Thanksgiving that they ate growing up as kids, which was which is my mother's Thanksgiving, and my mom would love that. Um, so um, so my daughters were not very pleased with their with the culinary events that they experienced on Thanksgiving. So Catherine came over here on Friday and had dinner with me. She was so excited. Um, so we had leftovers. And then Saturday, um, Colleen and I hung out. And then yesterday, busy day, I watched a lot of football, I think, and crashed. on. I was kind of tired on Friday and Saturday. So I did a little recovery and did some writing. And then yesterday, um, got up, went to Home Depot, had to get some stuff. And then uh, mowed, my, mowed and edged my front yard, mowed and edged my, fr- my backyard. Part of a fence blew down. Um, yeah, part of the fence blew down. So had some orange uh, fencing, that, that, that temporary fencing delivered. So that's all good. And uh, then I got some shades for the backyard uh, for the little uh, outside patio thing we have. So put those up. Then my handy-dandy new preamp came. So I had to put that into this audio system so this thing sounds awesome. And I did that. And then my ex makes the Thanksgiving dinner that that we all kind of gather for. And did that, and uh, so did that last night. And, uh, you know, one of the highlights in the McNamara family for, of Thanksgiving is the dishwashing. How about that for a trick? And how do you make that happen? You put on loud music in the kitchen, and you go out there and you laugh and you sing and you dance and do stupid stuff. So everybody hangs out in the kitchen, and the dishes go pretty quick. So if you're looking to solve that problem, yeah, all it takes is a little bit of good music, and uh, and you create a little party in the kitchen, and then the dishes get done in I don't know, not too, not too long of an order. So did that, and then came home. So kind of a full weekend. Yep. And then today might be even more full for me. Anyway, I got a phone call 
uh, I don't I don't know if you there's an article about me on a website called We Are the Mighty. It might be one of the it's one of the largest military related websites of the nation. So pretty interesting. All different people that have seen it. People reached out on LinkedIn, LinkedIn and stuff like that. But I'm not the guy who wrote it wants to talk to me. I said, you know, there's a lot more to that story. So he's interested in that. So hopefully, hopefully you'll see more of that of of the post traumatic winning story. And really about the people that have been impacted by it and how it's impacted their lives and things like that. So I'm excited about that. Uh, I'll go have lunch with two friends that I played football with in college. They're great guys. Bill Enquist and Tony Soleil, great friends of mine. And um, and then I've got a couple of other things I've got to do. I get ready to fly to North Carolina this coming weekend. And uh, so I got to make sure I have everything in line for that. Got to finalize some stuff to get ready to go to Fort McCoy in Wisconsin. Got to do that today. So, yeah, today, busy day. But uh, we'll check some news headlines and we'll talk about the Ukraine. All right. So, top story. In Stars and Stripes, Japan exempts U.S. military from ban on foreign travelers as new coronavirus variant spreads. Related headline, World Health Organization criticizes travel bans on Southern African countries. Now, I, I have to say, when you look at some of the stuff that's come out of the World Health Organizations, they're the one that sent the whole world to general quarters. So for them to say, hey, this is not fair to the Southern African countries, well, I mean, then why did you fire the Red Star Cluster? Kind of stupid, right? Right. Top headlines in the Wall Street Journal this morning, Dorsey to step down as Twitter CEO. Jack Dorsey is leaving a year after surviving a challenge from activist investors. Chief Technology Officer Parang Agrawi was named the new CEO. Next headline, Omicron drives hospitalizations in South Africa hotspot. The variance emergence in South Africa has driven a sharp increase in hospitalizations in Gutang province over the past two weeks, although fewer patients than in previous surges are being treated for severe disease. Hmm. That's in stark contrast with what the doctor uh, you just heard who is in South Africa, right? Next headline. Pentagon plans to improve bases in Guam and in Austria, Australia to confront China. The um, couple interesting opinion pieces. I was talking to somebody over the weekend and they said, hey, you know, there's going to be there's going to be states in, in, in the nation and the public education system in those states is going to be at risk. I said, what? They said, yep, at risk. And I said, what do you mean? And they said, well, funding is based on 
pupils, right? Right. And they said, he, he was telling me, he said, the demand for private education has gone through the roof as parents begin to take their kids. For instance, if you have a kid that's smart and the public school announces we will no longer do advanced placement courses, what are you going to do with your kid? Allow him to go to a math class with me? <laughs> yeah, like I could have given a shit about math. You want your kid in with me? I don't think so. So And I thought, whoa. And so when you add the other issues that are being confronted by public school in public schools, if you have the means to send your kid to a, a private school, be it a parochial, a, a, a religious-based school, or just a, a normal private school, he said the demand for that is going through the roof. I was like, wow. So that's... I, that, I had that conversation over the weekend. Stupid inflation tricks. For the life of me, I cannot understand when we have the ability to manufacture our own energy in this country that we have shut that off and put ourselves at the mercy of OPEC again. That is a self-inflicted gunshot wound. And then you watch people, you know, parade on TV saying, oh, it's this, it's that, it's this. And you're just like, come on, man. Just stupid. Just stupid. The other thing I'm, I'm, I'm finding interesting is, you know, when you, in this whole discourse we have about cash bail being racist and things like that, and we're not going to prosecute uh, property crimes of less than $1,000. Are you shocked at what you see around the nation? When you're no longer a nation of law and order, what do you see? It's, I mean, it's stunning to watch. And now we expect the people that gave us that to turn around and be law and order people. It's amusing to watch, that's for sure. But slowly but surely, people are getting fed up with this shit. Right? People are getting fed up with this shit. So, number of interesting editorial pieces on the, in, on the pages of the Wall Street Journal. Top headline in the New York Times, the World Health Organization warns of very high risk from Omicron as many questions remain. Now, that's at least um, in its crypticity. I'm not sure if that's a word, but I just made it up. In that headline's crypticity, it at least alludes to there are many questions that remain. And so if you look at that, and I just read, you know, the, the headline in Stars and Stripes that said the World Health Organization says Southern African nations are being punished. Well, you're the fucking one that, that, that released that. So when nations around the world, when politicians, again, remember, we're talking about politicians, okay? When politicians around the world here, World Health Organization warns of very high risk, oh, not on, uh, not on my watch. Not on my watch. Yeah. So, um, so that in the news, top story in New York Times. Stop, stop story in Marine Corps Times is how big data might help the Marine Corps improve recruiting and retention. 
The Corps wants to match Marine skills with jobs they actually want. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then we'll have a discussion on this thing. <clears throat> New 360-degree reviews start with just 200 Marines. Now, 360-degree review means people below you are going to review you where you just used to be reviewed by somebody senior to you. Now you'll be reviewed by people below you and people, you know, to your left and right, 360 degrees. Yeah, in an effort to find the best. So we'll have a conversation about that one of these days with the Mensa Brothers. And then uh, at MCRD in San Diego, one of the gate sentries shot and killed somebody who got out of a car, pulled a knife out, and then came at him or her with a knife, shot and killed him. And I just want to say this. So many times we read that somebody in a position that's supposed to defend themselves doesn't do it, and they wind up dead in these situations. I mean, we, I, we, we talk about it with you know, Iranian speedboats with machine guns on their bows. They make these gun runs at American warships, and, and the American warship doesn't defend itself. And we have this conversation, what's it going to take? For the Iranian, you know, gunship to actually shoot before you do what you're supposed before you do what you're obligated to do, which is defend the ship. They don't have the right to approach you in a menacing manner, showing a machine gun on the bow, and you not shoot at them. They don't have that right, but we don't do that. So congratulations to wh whoever this was. I'm sure that it's been a difficult weekend, but when your job is to protect. That's your job. That's your obligation. So that in the news. Top stories in early bird are this. Number one, National Guard scandals in these 13 states raise questions about culture and accountability. Let me tell you something about uh, the National Guard and the whole, you know, today is the, I believe, the deadline, or yesterday was the deadline to either be vaccinated to have filed an exemption, or I think that's it, right? Or your exemption is under consideration. One of those three. You have to be in one of those three categories. I read a story that something like only less, less than 60% of the National Guard in the country meets that. What are we going to do? Fire 40% of the National Guard? And if you're not going to do that, if you're not going to implement the policy like that, what does that mean for the, let's just say, 10% of Marines who, who, who've done the same thing? Are they going to be treated by the Department of the Navy? Hmm. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So, um... National Guard, nightmare, nightmare. Um, next story in the Associated Press, Ukraine leader alleges Russia-backed coup plan next week. That in the news. Next headline, viral videos reveal disgusting Camp Lejeune, Camp Lejeune barracks where Marines are forced to live. 
Um, I'll tell you, Camp Lejeune has struggled uh, after the the hurricane that went through there with with barracks and living condition. But um, I always take with a grain of salt somebody throwing video up someplace and saying, this is how I live. So I would have to do more research into that. But so that in the news. Next story. Vaccines work, Pentagon says, as surge in troop COVID deaths comes to a halt. How about immunity works too? In that age group that doesn't die so much, a surge in troop COVID deaths comes to a halt. You know how many, <laughs> oh my God, you know how many deaths they've had? And I think that 20 something in all of the 1.4 million Members of the Department of Defense? Yeah. I'm not sure where you find a surge in all that, but good luck. Unvaccinated active duty airmen will soon be barred from moving to new assignments. So all this brouhaha of we're going to throw them out, the Air Force seems to be approaching it in a vastly different way. We're not going to dismiss you from the service. You're just not going to be allowed to reenlist. Okay, I got that. But again... The way this thing varies from service to service, I find disturbing. That Secretary Austin and General Milley can't have a uniform policy for the Department of Defense. And let me tell you, how do you fire 40% of the National Guard? Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, overseas operations, Pakistan welcomes second round of U.S. Taliban talks in Doha. Hmm. I... Somehow, they're, why are we getting drugged back to Afghanistan? I thought we were done with that. U.S. and Iran seek to break impasse on talks on reviving nuclear deal. Yeah, the Israelis very keenly interested in that and believe that they're going to have to do that militarily. Read some of the stuff coming out of Israel right now. Mm-hmm. Next story, incoming German government commits to NATO nuclear deterrence. Now, it's, it's been kind of interesting as Angela Merkel exits stage left or right, whichever left, obviously, right? Um, so as she leaves, what will, be, what will Germany look like in her, in, upon her departure? Germany's incoming government has affirmed its commitment to NATO's nuclear deterrent, including the role accorded to Berlin in the strategy, according to a coalition agreement unveiled November 24th by Social Democrats, the Greens, and the Liberal Free Democrats. So, so again, the equation changes if Germany simply becomes Japan. Have an army that can fight. Contribute to NATO. Germany the freeloader of the European continent. It's disgusting. The enabler of Russia, I might add. Taiwan sends jets after 27 Chinese planes enter a buffer zone. Yeah. So the dance on the, uh, around Taiwan continues. But again, more American politicians and more, more world politicians going to Taiwan. Associated Press story. 
will Russia invade the Ukraine? Now, that's a nice little segue right there. Okay, so I want to talk about the Ukraine right now. I want to do a little Ukraine education. So this is a little piece that ran, I think it's about seven minutes. It ran on PBS. Now, I will, I may stop it and do a little color commentary on it, but um, but yeah, this is a little bit of, uh, of what's going on in the Ukraine. So get your map out, okay? U-K-R-A-I, or you could, you don't even have to do Google Earth, you could just Google it, period. So what you'll find is the Ukraine. So it is part of what used to be the most western part of the Soviet Union. Well, I should say the Soviet Union, because the Soviet Union include, included East Germany, and that would have been the most western part. So if you go south from the Baltic states, right, Estonia, Latvia, okay, Lithuania, and then south of that is Belarus, right? And south of that is the Ukraine. South of the Ukraine is the Black Sea. Okay, so you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? All right, and then east of the Ukraine is Russia. So um, that's where it sits geographically. So if the Ukraine is where we'll fight, right, then Germany is irrelevant. Germany's almost to France. So I don't understand, you know, our continued affection for Germany. That's a history lesson, man. We need to be in Poland. Yeah. NATO needs to move east. But we're, we're kind of afraid. Nobody likes to say that, but we're kind of afraid of Vladimir Putin. So... Uh, this is a little thing PBS did, and I thought it was pretty good, so I thought I would share it with you. So this is a little uh, Ukraine-Russia uh, education, and this is hosted by Judy Woodruff. And even uh, PBS has their dumbass commercials, right? So uh, this is about the Burlington Northern Santa Fe and what great partners they are in, uh, be it ecological, economic, or whatever. Burlington Northern Santa Fe. There you have it. So here's Judy Woodruff. A Russian military buildup of more than 100,000 troops along the border with Ukraine. As John Yang reports, there is concern that a full-scale Russian military invasion could be on the horizon. Judy, U.S. officials are closely watching that Russian military buildup. Today, Joint Chiefs Chairman Mark Milley spoke with his Russian counterpart, Valery Gerasimov. The region has been a flashpoint since 2014 when Russia invaded and annexed Crimea and supported separatists in two provinces of eastern Ukraine. Since then, there's been fighting between the separatists and the Ukrainian army and more than $2.5 billion in U.S. security assistance to Ukraine. Now there are reportedly more than 100,000 Russian troops along much of Ukraine's northern and eastern borders. 
Andrew Weiss worked on the uh, on Russian affairs in the George H.W. Bush and Clinton administrations. He's now vice president for studies at the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace. Mr. Weiss, thanks so much for joining us. What is Vladimir Putin up to and why is he doing it now? This was done on November 23rd, just so you know. So uh, what is that? Six days ago. Ukraine is the single most important piece of unfinished business in Vladimir Putin's more than two decades as Russia's leader. He is the Russian leader who bears, I think, the ignominious distinction of being a person who's lost Ukraine twice. He lost it in 2014. He lost it in 2004. And he's sending a message right now, which I think no one should underestimate, that he is thinking about undoing the unstable ceasefire that's been in place since the war in 2014 and 2015 was at its bloodiest. And he seems to smell an opportunity when the West is divided, when the Biden administration has other priorities, and when Russia has overwhelming military superiority. And why is Ukraine so important to him? You say that he has the, the distinction of having lost it twice, but there's, there's more. I mean, it, it says almost an emotional attachment for him, doesn't it? Sure thing. So we tend to think of Putin as this great chess master, who's obviously very tactically smart and very cunning, there is also a side of him which is quite emotional. And when it comes to Ukraine, it's an issue that cuts very close to the bone and that he feels is a huge stain on his record. Losing Ukraine, which is probably the single most important former component of the former Soviet Union, and seeing Ukraine move decisively western after, after, westward after the revolution in 2014, he now is saying is a red line for Russia's own security. He's looking at what's happening inside Ukraine, particularly the increase of U.S. and NATO military activities in and around Ukraine as a threat to Russian security. He's saying it's a red line for the first time since this totally avoidable, avoidable conflict began more than seven and a half years ago. And you mentioned earlier he looks at the United States and he seems emboldened. Why is it? What does he see in the United States domestically and in the Biden administration that makes him think this is a good time to do this? Vladimir Putin knows that Joe Biden came into office not wanting to have his presidency dominated by dealing with Russia. He knows that President Biden's priorities lie elsewhere. He's focused on uh, overcoming the pandemic, getting the US economy back on track. And then when it comes to national security, retooling our national security apparatus to focus on the major threat that we're facing long term, which is China. Russia, in some ways, is benefiting from the fact that the Biden administration would be perfectly happy to park the U.S.-Russian relationship and get on with business that it thinks is more important. But Putin sees that in some ways as an opportunity. It's a chance to once again force Western leaders into a reactive posture to make us off balance and to basically show, as he's done many times in the past, that he cares about Ukraine much more than we do. And he believes that because Russia is a nuclear weapons state, then no one is going to tangle with him or challenge him directly. And if you go back just into recent history, people like former President Obama have said very clearly the United States is not prepared to go to war over Ukraine. I don't think anything has changed. You also mentioned what's going on internally in Ukraine. What's, talk about uh, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky and how what's going on there may also be emboldening Putin. So when Zelensky was elected a few years ago, there were a lot of expectations that this was a person who was going to be more Russia-friendly and potentially take away from some of the intense acrimony that's been in place since the revolution in 2014. 
Instead, what we've seen is Zelensky has sort of squandered what was a, a, initially a very strong popular mandate, and he's become more antagonistic towards Russia in ways that definitely irritate Kremlin sensibilities. They're in no way a predicate for Russian military action, but they are becoming part of this broader Russian excuse of why something has to change. And they point to things like changes to the language law in Ukraine. They point to the increase of Western military support for Ukraine's military, for its security apparatus, and for the increased NATO military presence in and around the Black Sea. The Russians are now claiming, in a very theatrical and completely unconvincing way, that President Zelensky is planning to invade eastern Ukraine and that they will never allow this to happen. They said things very similar to that in March and April of this year, when there was an earlier war scare. They are putting in place all the pieces to justify military intervention in Ukraine. The Biden administration says that, that the United States' commitment to Ukraine is ironclad. What does that mean? What short of war would the United States do or what should they do if Russia invades? Just, <laughs> Just for the record, okay? Ironclad means a lot of things to a lot of people, okay? And why is NATO not moving to the aid of, of the Ukraine? Why do we see these strongly worded, you know, to me, if I was Vladimir Putin, uh, you know, I would read all these, right, these statements of commitment, yet no, no military assets moving as messaging to me, hey, you do what you want, just like you did in the Crimea. So this whole notion of ironclad, in my opinion, is laughable. The Biden administration is in a bit of a box right now. It is, on the one hand, wanting to send as many signals as it can of support for Ukraine and to bolster multilateral responses to the, what they are seeing as a credible threat of Russian military intervention sometime in the coming months. But on the other hand, they don't want to do anything that needlessly provokes Russia or gives them an excuse for military action. If they back away from Ukraine, they'll be seen as having been too timid. And if they lean in too far, they'll be seen as provoking the bear. So they're trying to play this one very straight and very steady. As you mentioned earlier, our top military commanders, General Milley and General Gerasimov spoke earlier today. In the past, during crisis situations, that channel has been the most important one between the two countries. There's expectations that Presidents uh, Biden and Putin will get together in coming days as well. There is probably going to be, in the coming months, a very elevated sense of tension in and around Ukraine. The Russians can turn that level of tension up and down. They will also do things that are going to throw us off balance. And that's, unfortunately, the name of the game for Vladimir Putin. Andrew Weiss of the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace. Thank you very much. Okay, so that's the first piece. <clears throat> now, I always like, um, and I've learned this, um, uh, analyzing stuff from Iraq and Afghanistan, I always find it very interesting to, um, to, to listen to people that aren't from the United States. So this is from a Turkish public broadcasting service, and they're talking about the same, and this is about five minutes. And so um, this is their perspective on this conflict between Russia and the Ukraine. 
Joining me now from Perth is Alexei Muraviev. He's an associate professor of national security and strategic studies at Curtin University. Welcome to the program. Um, help us understand then why, as Ukraine's defense ministry says, are there around 100,000 Russian soldiers near their border? Well, the Russians uh, consider Ukraine as a high-risk point, and they're also quite concerned about the increased NATO activity in the proximity of Russian borders, as well as the United States uh, military activity in the proximity of Russia's borders in the country's west, as well as in the country's east. Uh, also, as, as, as the Russians keep pointing out, the Ukrainian military mass about 50,000 strong army group along um, uh, Russia-Ukraine border. So, the Russians use this as an excuse to simply say, well, what is if Ukraine will attack, attack us and we're just taking precautionary step? And that's what they normally um, uh, argue when, when they're saying, well, it is our business to do, uh, to do what we're doing with troops within our own national, national frontiers. So uh, uh, effect, effectively, the Russians are sort of using this as a, as a pressure point scenario, also because... Uh, uh, the Russians, by, by deploying this, this force to the Ukrainian border, the Russians are trying to apply indirect pressure on, on, on Ukraine uh, due to escalation of politically military tensions in Donbass region, including reports about the alleged seizure okay. of one settlement, which also involved the capturing okay. of 37 Russian nationals there. So the Russians, I think, trying to blackmail Kyiv uh, by means of massing troops on its border. Alexei, we heard, uh, uh, you know, the U.S. saying they're concerned, um, they're watching this carefully. Are they preparing an attack on Ukraine? Look, I don't think it's the, Russia, it's the best time. R Russia preparing an attack on Ukraine, just to be clear. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's the best time for Moscow to launch any offensive in Ukraine or actually engage in any sort of uh, host hostility right now. The, the main reason for that is uh, Russia's Nord Stream uh, gas pipeline into Europe is going through the process of certification. So there are um, uh, concerns that have been publicly declared and discussed in Moscow that should Russia undertake any retaliatory action, whether it's justified or not, uh, the likely response to Russia's action is going to be the termination of the certification and by that the suspension of Russia's um, uh, gas supply, increased gas supply to Europe. So the Russians have a very strong economic indicator that really contains their actions and will contain it until at least uh, the, uh, the pipeline will be certified. But even after the certification, I think the Russians will still exercise ex extreme caution because they wouldn't want for that to uh, uh, fall to yet another round of sanctions. Mm -hmm. uh, however, having said that, I think if, if, if the Russians will, will really be pushed or they would be given no option, I think they, they would certainly strike and strike hard, as it was indicated on a number of occasions by both okay. uh, President Vladimir Putin Alexei, as well as Russia's... And if they did strike and strike hard, as you say, um, what would be the regional reaction and, and how could they stop this? I don't think there's going to be any sort of uh, avert reaction. So the promises by the United States to stand by Ukraine, I think, would be would be limited to those promises. At the end of the day, Ukraine, as, as sad as it may sound, is not pivotal to U.S. strategic interests. Yes, it's nice to have it as a buffer zone, as a, con a constant irritate of Russia, as, some, uh, as, as, as a point that draws Russia's resources. 
but I don't think the United States will commit its forces to fight alongside the Ukrainians. And not just because uh, the likelihood of Russia winning the war with Ukraine is extremely high, but it's also because it would put the United States in direct confrontation with a nuclear superpower. And any direct confrontation between nuclear superpowers has a very strong chance of escalating the conflict from conventional into unconventional or nuclear phase. And I don't think Washington is prepared to do that also because it faces mounting crisis over Taiwan with China. Thank you so much. So much for ironclad, right? Much for explaining it all to us. Alexei Muraviev, appreciate your time. So there you have a couple different perspectives. So what I want to do with Grant is uh, kind of amplify on that. Um, this, what, what do we expect to see? Um, you know, so you, the Ukraine very much wanting to be uh, in the orbit of Western Europe and free nations. Um, however... Uh, as they quite rightly pro point out, its problem is it is not a strategic asset for either NATO or the United States. That's the Ukraine's problem. And, and you know, the President Biden's ironclad commitment to Ukraine is an ironclad verbal commitment. Yeah, and see how that works for you when people start shooting shit through the air. Not so much, boys and girls. So, yeah, so I want to talk a little bit more about that with Grant. And so uh, we'll see if we can get him on tomorrow and do, and do that. So um, with that said, yeah, that'll do it on a Monday. Time flies when you're having fun. If you're just tuning in, um, at the start of the show today, we talk about the Omicron version of COVID. We talk about the bizarre world of the World Health Organization where they warn everybody. <laughs> and then, then they make other announcements. Yeah, that they shouldn't be... Punishing nations in Southern Africa. <laughs> well, wait a minute. You're the one that created the panic to begin with. Yay? Yay. Um, yeah. But, again, the people who bet their money on betting their money, stock market's up today. What does that mean, Mac? Well, that means there's people whose jobs it is to look at all of this and then to decide what they will do with their money. And they've decided, yeah, not so much. Yeah, and again, if you do a, a little bit, and I'll go ahead and, and put this article in that talks about this doctor who initially reported it, who's pretty senior person on the, I believe it's South African, American Med Medical Association, a version of their version of that. Yeah, she said so far that extreme fatigue for a couple days, cold-like symptoms, no loss of smell or taste. So the symptoms are mild. The problem is you haven't read that 
You haven't read that article because it hasn't been disseminated widely. Reuters has written about it. But if you look at most of the other publications around the country, they have not. So anyway, actually, and the New York Times, I don't know if they allude to it, but they at least say, though little is known, right? Which is a step down from the whole Chicken Little event, right? Yeah, so. Anyway, on that note, yeah, I think Grant Newsham's going to join us tomorrow. Have a great rest of the day. If you overate like everybody else over the weekend, get outside and get moving a little bit today. I'm Mike McNamara. This is All Marine Radio. Happy Thanksgiving. And now we turn our attention towards Christmas. Yeah. So, have a great day. If I can help you, if I can help you help somebody else, don't be afraid to let me know. I'd be happy to do that. On that note, I'm out. I'll see you tomorrow.